Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. This production is meant to provide you, the listener, meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not. Today's episode is brought to you by... The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook and a free resource that you can download at jobseekersradio.com. In today's show, we're talking about the art of being you in a job search. One of my favorite phrases that uh, a colleague of mine says to me all the time is, you be you. I'm sure most of us have heard that phrase. Did did that come with a snap? Uh, No, he he means it really very sincerely. (laughs) But uh, you can snap if you like. Yes, of course. he, He really means it. He wants people to be as authentic as possible because it's in learning who people really are that we can then leverage their strengths. And that's one of his um, themes in his career is to to work with your strengths. When you're looking for something better in a job search of any kind, often you feel like you have to change who you are to meet somebody else's expectation. You have to uh, discount your strengths sometimes because you feel like they may not be valid. And that's often what happens in people that I work with that have been laid off from somewhere. They felt like they've been rejected. They're going into a situation where, geez, the stuff that I did must not be valuable. So I need to reinvent myself. And that might be true. You may want to reinvent yourself, but if that's your choice, great. Right. It may be, but it, it isn't necessarily the truth. And there's that element of, well, if this didn't work anymore, then now I have to fake it. And and we hear this all the time, fake it till you make it. Well, that works, but is it really sending the messages you want to send? If the message doesn't matter and you're faking it because you are learning how to do it better, that's definitely an approach you can take. I don't discount that at all. To your point, if I suddenly feel like I have to change who I am in order to now be acceptable, that kind of faking it is probably going to either backfire on you or it's not going to work at all. People that are looking at Indeed.com or the job postings at a company, uh, they look at that job posting and they go, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do this too. And they look at all these things that they can do without first saying, huh, is that really what I want to do? Do I really want to do that? Because if we look at everything based on just a capability model where we're checking all the boxes, we may end up dissatisfied. I don't know that that's a natural approach. You know, not to mention there's opportunities where, you know what, I can do that and I should probably take that job because I don't have a choice. If you don't have the ability or capacity financially or otherwise to say no, yeah, that, that may be something to consider. And and I don't discount the, the validity uh, of that situation for those who are in it. Because if you're really feeling desperate because you're out of money or you're going to lose your home or whatever that that is, those are very real concerns. And I don't want people to feel like we're discounting that in, in any fashion. There is still the sense of doing the things that bring you something, that bring some enjoyment, that keep you going. And often those are associated with our strengths. As we're looking at that, we we think about ourselves. What is it that I'm good at going through that list? Oh, yeah, I could do all these things. Would I enjoy doing them in this scenario? 
Uh, if there are things from my past, would I enjoy doing them again, bringing those skills back to the fore? If the answer is yes, then by all means, you know, apply, talk to them about that. If you can get the interview, that's great. If the answer is I would go back to do those things because I'm starting to feel desperate. Okay, there's a, a different approach that I would recommend than simply applying and trying to be somebody that you no longer are, because that will be detrimental to you in the long run. Not everybody is 100% clear on their strengths or even what they look like or even how to communicate that to other people. We always recommend you look at some assessments, but you can do a self-reflective exercise just to remember the things that you enjoy. You bring up a really good point, something that I want to, to suggest to our listeners. Uh, if you're going to do one of these assessments, and I'm thinking, for example, StrengthsFinder. It's one that I've used. I like it. Uh, it uncovers where an individual's strengths may be. It's providing suggestions, and, and I really like the setup uh, that this book offers. However, getting the book and getting it the report and just applying what it says about you specifically from the assessment in the book probably is not enough. I would recommend seeking out someone who is either certified as a trainer in that assessment or at least somebody with a lot of experience in using it in the workplace to get a bigger perspective other than what you just glean from reading a book because it is going to be a little bit different for you than it was for the author. So exactly what is written in the report or in the book is going to need to be morphed a little bit for it to be truly effective for you. So I would recommend talking to those of us who are trained in this can help you find the way to adapt it. Looking at things that, whether it's one of those assessments or other activities that bring you energy, that, that really give you a morale boost, it is vital that you're doing these things so that you don't wear yourself into the ground and then wonder why you don't have any energy. The morale boosts come from remembering that you did something, you did it well, and guess what? You probably got paid too. And so it's having those three components thinking, yeah, hey, I did this thing, I enjoyed it, and they paid me to do that. It was crazy. Uh, and it may not have been 100% of your job, but how do you increase the percentage of that in your in your work. Well, and we just had the conversation about uh, things not being permanent. You know, it, it, your unemployment situation isn't going to last forever. Your poor employment situation is going to last your, forever. Your really good employment situation isn't going to last forever. The idea then is if you're continuing to do things that bring you energy, you're going to keep those strengths sharp. Hopefully, you're always working on projects to keep your skill set at you know cutting edge, however you wanted to define it, up to date. If you are in a situation where you have done these things and you did them really well and it felt really good, if your unemployment situation isn't going to last forever, please keep doing the things that you love doing because people will see that and hopefully hire you to do it again. It also would directly relate to your capacity to be resilient in the search if you're seeking all the things that you enjoy and are good at. And often we see people fall down in the networking or the, even doing the applications or, or even their interview is so jaded because they're looking at all these things that they can do and that's what the job requires, but they're not inspired by it. They're not um, enthused to go into that situation um, so that's going to impact your, your capability or your, at least your ability to present yourself positively in the marketplace. 
the reason we encourage you to take a look at these things you've done that you enjoy is because that becomes part of who you are. And that's what you'd present to people. And when you do, the interesting thing is people can feel it. It feels different when you present that to somebody. Sure. Uh, so look at those strengths, lean into those strengths, and communicate those strengths because often that's what people want. There's also, and we've talked about this too, the idea that when you're talking about something that brings you passionate results, right, that you're really excited about, that you do well, you speak differently. You come alive. You light up whatever phrase the person may use. They are now seeing you in your best light. That gives you uh, the impression of confidence. And that is what attracts people to you. I, I, I think about the conversations people have, whether it's a political Con presentation, yeah. you know, you're at some conference or whatever, and somebody gets up to speak, whatever that may be, a rally. It's true on the corporate side as well. When someone gets up to speak and they have that sense of being alive and passionate about what they're talking about and they are confident, people are drawn to that. So if you're working on things that bring you that kind of energy and people are seeing you talking about it and they need something along those lines, you are far more likely to get the next conversation. If you want to reinvent yourself, that's great. I, I think that that can be very healthy. It can be very rewarding. Don't feel you have to in order to be somebody that you're not because that disconnect is actually going to be visible as well. You're not going to have the same sense of confidence or the same sense of, of getting lit up by it. You're going to come across differently. And it's really easy to forget that you did those things and it was fun and it was positive. Sometimes you feel like you don't have permission to feel that way. And if you've been in a job search long enough and taken enough you know, knocks to the chin, you know, uh, uh, you know, you start thinking, okay, well, geez, maybe all I should do is just put in applications. There's no sense to this whole thing anyways. Why should I care? Well, you know? if you don't care, why should anybody else? That's the, so you should really not lean that direction yeah, and remembering yeah. and representing and, and taking a look at those successes over and over again. And then when you go to an interview, stand up for yourself advocate for this thing that you enjoy doing. And often, if they need that thing, they're going to hire you to do it. Absolutely. For those of our listeners who are really feeling down that they just are too beat up to make that kind of progress or to, to stand up for themselves, I implore you to talk to people who will then help build you back up because you do bring value to the table. Your perspective is unique and someone needs it. Now that sounds like a platitude, but there is truth to that. And if you need to go to the show notes to find out how to contact us, contact us. We will help you with that because we know the value that unique perspectives bring to the workplace and you just haven't found it yet. That, that's not uncommon. Many people are there, but it also brings a, a bit of accountability back to you. Decide what you want. What do you want to do? Andrew, you and I were talking about the, the idea of a vanity project and mm -hmm. some things that I'm currently working on. And are these really just vanity projects that make me feel good? What if they are? <laughs> they make me feel good. It's worth doing. Yeah. Even though I haven't had necessarily the outcome of landing the next client in whom that ability or that activity may be part of what they do, 
I'm, I'm really charged up because as I work on this, it's starting conversations with other people mm. who are of a like mind, who are looking for the same kinds of results. And now this feels good. So it keeps me going. This is what happens in a job search. The longer it takes to find the right job, the more you need these things that bring you that sense of joy. And that's why we talk about always have a project in mind, right? Something. It gives you something to talk about other than I'm looking for a job. And really, the focused objective should have a number of components, and it's not all-inclusive, but I would definitely be saying, this is the kind of work I want to do. This is the kind of organization I want to be in, and then put a name on that. So for example, uh, I just need a job. Is that a focused objective? Yeah, no. No, it's a generality at best. Sure. And so be more specific. I'd love to be um, a director of learning and development for a sportswear manufacturer in Portland, Oregon. Well, I wonder how many of those I could, as a matter of fact. A handful. There's a handful of those here in Portland. Right. But the idea is, okay, now I'm specific. Now, that doesn't mean that the objective can't change. Of course. It probably will. But make sure you have something that's very focused until you've pulled on that thread long enough and hard enough. And if there's something at the end of it, great. Pull on another thread. You bring up a good point because I remember when I was in school thinking I wanted to go in a specific direction. And I know this is true of a lot of people. The deeper you get into it, the more you realize that's not really a good fit. If I forced myself to keep going, I'm not sure I would have been as happy. And I, my own daughter did the same sort of thing when she was going through school. She was um, working on her master's degree thinking she wanted to go into occupational therapy. She interned with an OT and decided, ah, this isn't really the work I wanted to do. And then she got into the kind of work that she is absolutely passionate about and is wildly successful at. She had a focused objective of what she wanted to do, but she was willing to change that focus to better suit her own style and strengths. And she knocked it out of the park. As she learned. Yeah. What she did is she tried on that pair of shoes, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Ah, those don't feel so good. Yeah. Right? Or they're too tight. Or there's a, you know, there's not enough arch support. Whatever that looks like. Right? So try on another pair of shoes. Yeah. It's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. It just really helps if you have um, a focused objective so you know what direction to go to pull on that thread until there's nothing there. Exactly. Or to learn more about yourself. And not uncommon that you, you go through this process and you identify all these strengths, but you really don't know how to effectively communicate that to the outside world. Right. If you haven't decided what you want to do in the first place, it's going to be very difficult to communicate to other people what you can do for them. Even if the job you're applying for isn't exactly the way you would have described what you want to do, if it's still pinging all the right things, you know, ringing all your bells, okay, how do you communicate that effectively and concisely to let people know what your focused objective is and how you perceive your ability to do these things? Again, you're going to have the confidence in that conversation because you're not just reiterating your resume, right? You're not regurgitating something else and you're not trying to be somebody you're not. You're really coming back to all of the research and trying on that you have done. You are now being authentic. There is a, a, an element of integrity that people are really reading in you. 
This is, I think, the best way to approach your job search from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that can influence all of your marketing tools like LinkedIn and the resume, even your branding statement introduction to people. Uh, we encourage everybody to kind of steer away from a title at company, which, yes, might be your objective, but it's not something I would share in a branding statement per se, other than as a closing out item to get introductions to other people. Sure. And we talk about that in the uh, Anatomy of a Networking Conversation ebook, which is a free download, by the way, for everyone listening. You can just go to jobseekersradio.com. You put in your email. We'll email you a free ebook. Couldn't get any better than free. Uh, but the idea is it, it's not uncommon that even if you know your strengths, it's really hard to communicate them effectively and consistently. Right. Um, that's where you might lean into a coach, uh, a job search buddy, a mentor, the local career center at your community college, whatever is available to you. Right. Uh, I would lean into that so that you can get a better feel for how to communicate. Even Toastmasters would be a place yeah. to test your messages uh, so that you can take what's inside and get it outside. There are all sorts of resources available that either don't have any cost at all or have minimal costs that are still worth the investment. You make a, a point, though, that I, I want to make sure we touch on, and that is you've got to stand up for yourself, and you have to stand up for something. People have to want to follow what you're talking about on some level. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to get political or you have to stand up against anything. It's really about knowing what you bring to the table, understanding what those strengths are and what you want to do with them, and assert a, a sense that this is what I'm going for, because now people will be more likely to listen to what you think you're going to do when you get there. And does that align with what they're looking for? And are you flexible in that to maybe bring that attitude or approach into the work that they have that they're looking to hire and maybe morph that with you? Your, your, your strength is... Is your calling card. It's, it's your competitive advantage. Yeah. You want to be something to somebody rather than all things to all people. When you stand up for yourself, that might be based on whatever philosophies you have. If you're a leader, you should probably have a set of philosophies that you bring to the table. What are those philosophies? Because they vary as many as there are stars in the sky. Uh, there's leaders have different philosophies. Right. And you need to practice communicating that. You may know what your philosophies are, but if you can't communicate that concisely, it's not going to come across as effectively. So I would recommend practice those statements. And what is the difference between a leader and a manager? I mean, we could go into all these different sure. things, but the idea is if you're not standing for something, then you might as well stand for nothing. And that's you kind of putting your own spin on what you bring to the table to mm -hmm. that role mm -hmm. at the interview. So if I'm in an interview, I'm not I'm not telling somebody, here's all the things I do to meet all the requirements that you have. You know, you maybe identify where your strengths play in that role and say, hey, this is what I bring to the table. And you stick that up front and center in the interview and you stand on that. Now, that doesn't mean that you're telling them how they should be doing their work. I, and I've seen that happen of too, course. where, oh, well, you need to do this and that. And what they're 
meaning is this is how I would approach it. But they actually say the words. This just happened to me this just in the past week where someone was thinking she was giving advice to the group she was talking to. But instead, yeah, she was telling them these are the things that you need to do and these are the things that you need to avoid without taking into consideration that she was talking to people who had more experience doing these things than she had. Be careful on on how you present mm. that when you're saying these are the things that I have to offer and this is how I've offered it in the past and these are some things I'd like to do a little differently. That's a completely different conversation. I want to know more. What we're suggesting is if you go to an interview, don't prepare on how you can fit every single requirement. It's That's not a strategy. Well, it is a strategy, but guess what? It's the strategy everybody's using. Sure. And if you don't stand for yourself and your strengths... Right, not what they want to hear, but what you have to offer. And if it aligns with they want what they want, then you're at an advantage. And if you have the sense to ask the questions early enough, what their pain points are, and you can word that any way you like. But really, what are their top priorities in filling this position? What are the first things that this position is going to be working on? You can actually tailor that conversation that because you know what you're good at, what where where your strengths are, and what you want to do, you can tailor your response to meet their needs. As well as perhaps in the conversation, uncover some needs maybe they don't even know they have yet. Well, can I really, can I really talk about myself in that way? Wouldn't that be, you know, kind of arrogant and self-aggrandizing? And won't they think I'm kind of all about me? No, that's no? the purpose of the interview. Oh, it <laughs> now, is okay. Now, how you come across it, it? It's possible by tone of voice, the way you're messaging that. It's possible that may come across that way. So I would say practice with people who will give you candid advice or candid feedback on the way you're presenting that. But with that said, the interview is there for you to toot your own horn. And if you're the type that says, oh, I don't want to come across as being conceited. And so I'm not going to talk about myself. That is the purpose of the interview. Be you. When you go to the interview, sometimes you try to mold yourself into what they want, right? So I need to change who I am and present myself in a way that's attractive to all the things that they want. And I need to be like them rather than myself. What happens if you're who you are and where your strengths are and how you can be passionate about this work? And suddenly they want to change what that job looks like because they like what they see. Wow. Would they really do that? Yes. They do. Does that actually happen? Yes, it does. It has actually happened for me. Well, okay. I'm in. Okay, good. (laughs) So the idea here, folks, is there's only one you. So just be you. You be you. You be you. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate your time and attention here today. Everything that we've talked about, you can read in the show notes, are available at jobseekersradio.com forward slash 079. When you're there, we have a free resource, and I like free. It's called The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook that comes with companion audio that really helps you optimize your networking conversations in a pragmatic way uh, that gets results. Also in the show notes is a link to iTunes. Uh, If you could just click there, if you're on your little iPhone right now, uh, and leave us a rate and review, we'd really appreciate that. It helps us spread the message about the podcast. Well, I'm Andrew. And I'm Scott. And in the words of Zig Ziglar, honesty and integrity are absolutely essential for success in life. All 
areas of life. The really good news is that anyone can develop both honesty and integrity. Thanks, everybody. Always tell the truth about you.